Hello, my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to episode 11 of the Running Technique Tips podcast. Now, before I introduce uh, my co-host, Lisa Biffin, I just wanted to um, acknowledge and thank uh, the listeners um, that we have brought along on this marathon journey that we're both undertaking so far. Um, We crossed a little bit of a milestone during the week, only a modest one, but we did pass uh, 1,000 downloads. So um, now's about the time when I ask for a bit of a favour, if you are listening along and enjoying it, um, if you could give us a rating on whichever podcast aggregator you're listening on. So if you're listening on iTunes, could you pretty please give us a rating on there? Um, And if you have a moment as well, just leave a short review. That would be much appreciated. Right, now I can say hello to Lisa. How are you going, Lisa? I'm good. I'm feeling a little bit tired today. Um, I should be happy now after hearing that we've hit a, a small milestone. But You should be very happy. Over a thousand. It's not just my brother listening now. <laughs> we were concerned that uh, he was the only one listening. Shout out to your brother. How are you going? <laughs> um, but it's, unless he's downloaded it a thousand times on multiple different platforms, it's not just him. <laughs> no, it's not just him. Although I don't think he's given us a rating yet, so I might have to get on to him about that. Oh dear. Um, but no, I'm just feeling tired. I must admit I'm being a bit smashed at work at the moment and I'm sure lots of us have these times where work just starts to really pile up and your energy levels just get completely sapped from it. So it's sort of hit at the same time of just doing a little bit of travel um, and then I'm starting to ramp up those long runs. So I, I feel like I'm a bit of a whinger at the moment. I always say that I'm Tired and hungry. That's <laughs> <laughs> tired and hungry. Well, it does. It's probably you know it's a good time to hark back to some of that stuff that um, I mentioned about Dr. Phil Maffetone and you know the entirety of what's going on in your life um, should be included in your training load. So you know if work's ramping up and that's a bit stressful, then um, understandably you will be tired, and um, especially since you're adding in those long runs. Yeah. Well, I've actually had to make a few changes. So my week, um, last week, I actually didn't do one of the sessions. I, if you've just been so mentally drained from work where, you know, your phone's ringing, the emails don't stop, you're in a thousand meetings and you're just being pulled in a million different directions and you get to the end of the day and you think, I've just got nothing left. Yes, I've been there. (laughs) Yeah, so that was how I felt. So um, I actually ended up pulling the pin on the Thursday and I just sat on the couch and ate good food and and rested. And I think it was the best call because I had a big run coming up on the weekend and thought, well, that's more important. Like I, I I just couldn't even mentally get myself up for the run. Yep, I, th- I think that's a really good call. Mm, well, it was for me. So anyway, so I want to tell you about my week last week because I went back to Melbourne, my hometown. I was feeling very nostalgic whilst I was down there. Um, Excellent. I did a lot of sightseeing on foot. Uh, that was actually one of the benefits of having to do this monster run because I managed to clock up quite a few Ks on, on foot and see you know lots of sites that I hadn't been around to for quite a while. So that was quite nice. But um I also got to run for my old club again, and I'll get to that in a minute, but um, it was still a pretty big week overall, 84K, so that's my equal record. Um, And it sort of started off 
the week had my PT session and I've got a real love-hate relationship with the gym. Um, I don't know if you find the same and you know, whether other listeners out there who their first love is running. Um, I know how good the gym is for me and I always feel so good afterwards, but getting there, I have like a million excuses in my head why I can't go. <laughs> um, I, t- I went. That's good. I think it's like when you're like, I really enjoy the gym, but I, I did find, especially last year, that I was struggling to make myself go to the gym because of the fact that I was just so fatigued from doing all the running. So that's probably where you're at at the moment. Like, yeah. you're just thinking, have I got enough energy to do this extra bit of exercise? Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. Um, and that's, you know, it's so good that I do have the PT because the, the hour goes so fast. Whereas, you know, when I go on my own, I've do a couple of stretches and the odd sit up and then I think oh that's enough and I walk out like 10 minutes later so I'm forced to actually get in some good quality work so uh, I had that on the Monday then on the Tuesday I was still in Sydney and had a hill session quite a big hill session actually sort of 4.7 kilometers worth of up and down hills Uh, I backed that to about back that down to about 70 percent um how long with hills uh, so the longest one was about a 500-metre climb and then they got shorter and shorter. So we call them cut-downs. I actually really like this session. Ooh, I like and, that cut-down. I haven't heard of that before. Yeah, and do you know what? I think it's a really good one. It's not measurable. You could do it on any hill anywhere in the world. So it's a great one if you're travelling. And you get, you know, as I said, it was 4.7Ks in total and you start so at the bottom of the hill to the top. It was 500 metres and that classifies as one and you basically then just um, pick 10 points along the hill that you keep running down to and running back to the top of the hill and it gets shorter every time. Um, and it's it's just a great one to you know, work on your endurance. You can get a little bit of speed because at the end the, the, the reps obviously get shorter and it's good. It can be just done anywhere and you don't need really anything but a hill. So. I like it a lot. Yeah, throw, throw that into your session um, sometime. It's, it's a nice one just to sort of lose yourself as well if you're feeling a bit tired like I have been. So that one was really good. Um, I did 87 minutes on the Wednesday and I at sort of 5.09 kilometre pace and I had to run in the morning because we were catching a plane that night and I find this really hard to do, backing up from – a nighttime session where you know I'm finishing the session at about 7:30 p.m. and then getting up in the morning and, and doing that long run, so that was hard. Yeah, very little recovery in between. That's, really, that's why. really little. And I, I look, I struggled. I mean, 5:09 pace is actually pretty good. Um, that's motoring. If it was me, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> um, but it was just, I yeah, I was just tired really. So I ticked the box, got that done. Um, jumped on a plane, had the fun of travelling with two little people on a plane, which is never relaxing. Uh, arrived to Melbourne super late and then worked in Melbourne and then that was a Thursday that I just, I had nothing left. I was physically, emotionally and mentally drained. So pulled the pin uh, and decided on Friday to just head out for a really nice 10 kilometer run in the sun at lunchtime and it was the best decision and I don't think we do it enough I think we're so stuck on you know this is on Thursday I do this so I've got to go down you know and do this session but I felt amazing it was sunny um oh, it was just great so really happy with that I had a bit of an issue with a blister though I think I mentioned it um 
a couple of weeks ago or a week ago with my new on cloud running shoes. Um, yeah, tell me, tell me what's going on with that. Yeah, so the blister hasn't gone, and um, I possibly have some of the most unattractive feet in the world. So foot modeling is never an option um, for me, but I've got bones that poke out in all sorts of directions. I'm pretty sure it's from my dancing background and just the back of the shoe or the shoe itself is quite hard um, and it goes up quite sort of high which I, I don't mind it's comfortable but it just sits on this spot on this bone on my foot and it's just rubbed repeatedly and I have this blister that I cannot get rid of and I had only brought two pairs of shoes with me down to Melbourne and they were one and the other one were a pair of ASICS racing flats um, and so I'd been out just doing the jogging in the on running shoes and I think I spent more time being irritated by this blister than than anything so so is that like on, on the back of the heel where the, the is it the heel counter that's rubbing on your yeah, heel bone is yeah, that what it is yeah it's like right at the very back of your foot and I've got this like bony protrusion that comes yeah. out I don't think others have that's, that uh- I'm a bit of a hate. I'm a bit of a hater of shoes that have a, a really high heel counter. It's just asking for trouble, I reckon, and yeah. rubbing on rubbing on your Achilles or on your bone or anywhere else. Like it's just yeah, seems it hasn't, an unnecessary shoe feature. It hasn't come up. It doesn't hasn't rubbed on my Achilles. It's sort of down a bit on this bony mm. bony thing. I'm, I'm doing a really bad job of explaining it, um, but it's really quite painful. And so I just was really struggling in those shoes. So. Um, Anyway, uh, put band-aids and things all over it because on Saturday I had the tan relays, which I was very excited to do. I haven't run them. I actually think I said seven years, but I think it's actually eight years since I had run the relays. Um, And obviously, you know, you put the the carrot out in front to say try and break my record of thirteen (laughs) fifty. Yeah, no, I looked after we recorded last time. I looked it up. I think I did run thirteen fifty in. Was it? I can't even remember what year it was. It might have been 2012. Yeah. 2012, I reckon it was. Yeah, so that that's moving. I, I looked it up on the pace calculator and that's about 3 minute 48, um, sorry, 3.38 pace. And I must admit when I saw that, I thought, oh, I haven't been doing any work in that zone at all like so I thought oh it's probably a bit out of a bit out of my range but um and I must admit I didn't even go in attempting to try and break that I would have been would have been nice it was very windy so you know oh do you know what I was greeted with typical Melbourne and I had to smile because I was like that's why I love the place so much so Thursday Friday amazing t-shirt where the sun was out everyone's happy Saturday morning they said that was going to be inclement weather, got up, not a breath of wind. It was immaculate. It was 18 degrees. I thought, this is perfect. It's going to be a great day today. Did my warm-up at 8 a.m. The race started at 9 a.m. The temperature dropped to 10 degrees. <laughs> the storm moved in. It was torrential rain. It was like howling winds. And I thought, of course. And then at 10 a.m. when the race had finished, the sun was back out again. The weather was perfect. <laughs> I, th- I think the runners running the later legs in the relay had the better of the weather by the sound of it. Oh, I think they definitely did because I went off as the first leg and it was not fun. And I've mentioned many a times how much I suffer in the cold. I was honestly so cold. I made a mistake. Well, I was warming up and it was so nice. So I thought, all right, I'm not going to wear the leggings. I'm going to wear shorts. I should have kept the leggings on. Um, my hands were frozen. I couldn't even feel them. And 
anyway, I was really pleased with my run. I ended up running 14.18, so I didn't get anywhere near your record, so that's safe for another year. One more year. I reckon that's about the last year I'll have it. <laughs> um, so my average was 3 minute 43Ks, and I'll be honest, I was, I was wrapped. I had no idea where I, how I would go, and um, what a great event, though. I mean... I just the Victorians have nailed this this winter cross country season. There was thousands. I don't know how many people had in the end, but the competition was amazing. Not at one stage throughout the whole loop of the tan was I on my own. There were people to chase. There were people chasing you down. The atmosphere was amazing, um, and I wanted to do it again. I finished and thought, can I can I go again? I want to run another leg. Um, so they've done a very, very good job, Athletics Victoria, in getting that competition to the standard that it is. They have a very strong club culture. Mm, very strong. And as I said, I got to run again for my old club, Keeler St Bernard's, and it was quite nice because they were potentially going to be re- relegated uh, down to Division 3. Um, but thankfully uh, we managed to avoid relegation and finished, uh, I think, in maybe sixth or seventh position. So They brought out the secret weapon. Exactly, on my, my eight-year <laughs> hiatus and um, returned uh, for, for one run. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was really good. And then on Sunday I had, um, it was a 28-kilometre run, so my biggest run by quite a few Ks um, on the agenda. And I actually went down and ran with the Melbourne Marathon um, training club that they've got. Uh, They have different uh, groups and different paces and different distances. So that was really nice to jump in with with a group. But I had a bit of problem because I didn't know what shoes I was going to wear. And ended up thinking, well, I actually can't wear my on-running shoes. This blister is so bad. I'm going so to have to. Those on-shoes are now definitely out of the question for the marathon. They've failed the test. Yeah. Do you know what, though? I think, so I actually really like the feel of them when they're on. Um I think they're actually a shoe that may need to be broken in a little bit. So running two hours on the first run where I got the blister was probably not advisable. Mm-hmm. probably should have done maybe five or 10k runs to break them in just to soften them out a little bit um so i didn't run in them i ran in my asics racing flats and i'd never run anything over 10ks in them before wasn't really sure how i was going to go um they're actually a really nice amazing shoe and i'm pretty light on my feet but 28ks you know two hours 23 at 506 pace in those shoes my toes are black. I, <laughs> I This is going to be a bit gross. I probably shouldn't say it, but I will. Um, I picked off my nail polish, which was like a dark maroon, and you can't even tell that I picked the nail polish off because the oh, toes. my toes are so sore. And I've never had um, – like I've lost a million toenails before as runners. That's just part of, part of the course, isn't it? Um, but my big toe is – in so much pain like it is I don't know if it's gonna the toenail's gonna fall off but I've never had that before so my poor little piggies um were so damaged at the end of that run that's that's not good that's not good at all (laughs) oh no no it wasn't but look all up um I got through the 28ks my knee held up I felt amazing I was super happy 84ks for the week um pace too yeah 28ks do you know what? Running in a group is the most amazing thing. So I sat at the back of the group for 
probably half of it. There was some definitely some people who may not have been able to judge their pace or their fitness um, as well as they probably should have because they dropped off very, very early on. But it felt, I honestly didn't know we were running that quick. Um, I felt like we were maybe running five and a half minutes or slower, um, just being, you know, in a big pack of about 20 people, cruising along, looking at the sights, um, highly recommended. I think there's maybe another couple of weeks of those runs. So if anyone is in Melbourne and doing the Melbourne Marathon, then I definitely recommend getting down there. So Sounds like a good plan. Good, good plan. Run. Week seven, um, New York Marathon on the horizon, really not that far to go now. Um, yeah, how, how far? Yeah, well, what do we are? I think I've got about six weeks. Six weeks to New York City. Six you know, weeks, just... exactly. So I'm heading into this phase now of all of the big, giant, massive runs. Um, but I'm still feeling pretty confident, you know. Like I, I feel like I'm not being too aggressive. I feel like I'm still in the ballpark. I'm just feeling so relaxed and so excited to run this marathon. It's good. You're going to be running it with some big fish over there. I keep hearing about these speedy runners that they're announcing. I know. Running it with you. I know. Well, I'll probably, you know, I won't see them at all. Let's be honest. They'll be in their little elite pen way at the they start. They will. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'll be, well, actually, I think we get shipped over to the start line. Um, I think it starts over in Staten Island uh, quite a few hours beforehand. So, all right. Maybe I'll go and fangirl some of them. I'm actually not that type of person, so I, I'm pretty hopeless when it comes to celebrities and that type of thing. I'd walk past them and wouldn't have a clue who they are. So, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, good week for me. Um, tired, but happy I changed it um, and still soldiering on in one piece. Minus my toes. Excellent. Yes. And how, how does your other niggle? Is that all? That's, you haven't mentioned that, so I'm assuming that's just gone away. It's just gone away. It's fantastic. So my foot has got proper range of motion. I'm cracking my ankle quite a lot. I have my amazing physio again next week who will probably um, have a bit of a poke and a prod, but yeah, it's great. Yeah, she'll be grossed out by your toes when she sees you next. <laughs> I think I'm grossed out by my toes. <laughs> uh, so that was me. What about you? You are getting so close to this marathon. Oh yeah, I can, I can, I can nearly taste it now. Um, my race number arrived during the week, so um, I think it's only about 22, 21 days to go. Maybe twenty three, twenty three days, depending on um, which which day you count it from. I actually think the countdown on the Melbourne Marathon website might be a day ahead. Okay, I think they count it down to Saturday, but the race is actually on the Sunday. So. Um, yeah, anyway, but not much more than three weeks to go. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's getting pretty real now. Um, I have conti- continued to tweak my program, actually, um, as this period of race prep and taper approaches. And, and we're going to do tapering as our topic of the week this week. So um, it's timely that I've been doing this little bit of um, tweaking um, for the last... Um, for well it's going it's the last three weeks really um the taper period but yeah have been kind of continuing to play around with that but more on that um in a little while but so my week um uh, got underway with uh the tuesday run you might remember i was trying out the arthur lydiard wind sprints Mm -hmm. as a sharpening type session um and i'll just say up front that that was a fail (laughs) 
just get that out of the way up front. Um, so I did a 40-minute jog and it was pretty windy, so I decided not to go to the track. Originally, I was going to do it as a kind of bends and straights thing, but it was so windy, I just thought it's going to be horrible at Lamberis. So I just found a, a straight bit of um, straight bit of path um, and did these approximately 100-metre sprint efforts with like a basically I was just doing this a really tight loop so I sort of run in the direction with the wind so I could not run into the wind um, and then was jogging or floating between them um, because yeah as it's described it's it's not a not a full recovery Um, you're basically supposed to float in between these all-out sprint efforts so it's only it was only really a 10-minute session but I worked out about halfway through that I really wasn't doing it properly Um, I couldn't all-out sprint and float um, and maintain decent technique um, at the same time. So I did my 10 wind sprints, but they probably weren't as fast as what they were supposed to be. Um, And, yeah, definitely towards the end I was starting to feel my body creaking and groaning, um, which was a sign that I really couldn't maintain that pace without having the recovery in between so I could sort of run them properly. So basically, yeah, got home and just scrap them out of the program straight away i I think um i've probably actually fallen victim to to the you know just taking a piece out of lydiard's program without perhaps necessarily doing some of the lead up stuff that (laughs) you might need to be able to do that kind of session well um I, i feel like you would have needed to do some really fast anaerobic type session work to be able to get through a session like that as it's intended um and yeah i'm not going to be doing that kind of work so i just so I just remove remove from program, um, and what I've kind of decided to do instead is just give myself the option on my Wednesday medium long run to add in like a short segment of marathon pace running, um, Ooh, just to kind lovely. of practice that instead. Yeah. So yeah, it was a good idea, but you know you got to try things out, and if they don't work, just throw them away <laughs> you really haven't been doing any of that type of work like i reckon if i jumped in and did that it wouldn't affect me because i am still doing track work yes. once a week and have continued yep. to do that but you've been really you've taken the approach of long slow running get yourself aerobically fit and yes you know see what happens on the day and <laughs> you just randomly well, throw in yeah. some sprints <laughs> Well, yeah, my speed work to date has really been doing some strides after my long runs and doing those kind of VO2 max um, fartlek sessions, which, you know, that that is really enough speed work for the kind of marathon time that, that I'm trying to run um, of three hours 20. So I think I've got enough speed work going on in my program already without sort of adding in a potentially risky um you know, very anaerobic type session. I can see how that session would work really well, actually sort of in the midst of a track season. Mm-hmm. Um, after you've kind of done a few races, maybe you've got like a two-week break until the next race, then doing a session like that would be a really good sharpener to kind of keep you up and running without having to do a monster session. Because like on the on the upside, it's over in 10 minutes, yeah. so it's really good. Sure. Well, save it for when you're going to hit your 5K track PB. That's right. Well, maybe my 3K because that's easier. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I I just wanted to spend a little bit of time on that to just talk about why it was a fail and what what I've removed it. Um, Yeah, so anyway, I did my midweek long run on the Wednesday, which was 90 minutes, and this was 
you're you're the hare, I'm the tortoise because I did that at five twenty eight <laughs> kilometer pace, um, as opposed to your five oh nines or whatever it was, um, which was about eight forty seven miling. Um, I could actually feel that wind sprint session in my legs a bit. Um, so yeah, I did take it relatively easy. I was a one thirty one heart rate average through that, um, and I did a bit of stretching afterwards just to um, iron out a couple of those kinks that I'd got from my Tuesday session. Um, did about 16.7 Ks, a bit over 10 miles um, for the run. Um, Thursday, really easy run, felt pretty ordinary. I'm not 100% sure why that was. I, I don't think it was necessarily related to the Tuesday session. I think I was just in that little bit of fatigued, possibly didn't sleep that well the night before. Um, 5.36 K pace, so yeah, a bit slower, nine-minute miling, uh, 7.5 Ks, just under five miles, 125 heart rate. So I was really taking that one easy. Um, and I think I was just trying to uh, give myself enough recovery because I knew I had Fartlek Friday coming up, um, which was scheduled to be five by four minute efforts, which is the equivalent to your classic five by one K, which you would have done a million um, times, I'm sure, Lisa. Yes, actually, it's um, in my program this week. I actually <laughs> Very good. love that session. That and ten by four hundreds, my two by two favorite sessions. Yes. So this was basically my biggest of that kind of session. I think the previous amount of five k pace running that I'd done was about sixteen or eighteen minutes um, before. So this was going to be twenty minutes. Pulled on, yeah, you know, that really old pair of Adios that I've got to do the session, um, and I was doing it out on basically the running trails um, near the Yarrawee Creek in Ballarat. Um, so there's a bit, a little bit of up and down. Um, it was a little bit windy, so it was a bit of a, a licorice all sorts kind of fartlek, fartlek which is sort of good. Um, and I managed to do my four-minute efforts between 350 and 343 kilometre pace or thereabouts, um, which is at the fast end, 558 miling, and at the slower end, 611 miling for those of us who work in miles. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty good. I managed to maintain um, pretty good pace throughout the entire session. I did take um, three-minute recovery jogs between each of those efforts to make sure I was you know, well-recovered and could do them with good quality. Um, and even despite those recovery jogs, I still managed 10 and a half minutes in the in the red room, like in the in the mid sort of 160 um, heart rate zone, which is where I wanted to get to for that session. Um, the major challenge I had with that was after the fourth one, I was pretty tired and I was entertaining the option of quitting. And I thought, no, I need to do a little bit of mental toughness type stuff um, and just kind of tough it out. Um, so I got myself rolling for the last one on a downhill se section. So the first minute was kind of okay, but then I kind of started going slightly uphill and into the wind and got to two minutes in and I was like, I just really want to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so there was about three or four strides when I was going, I'm going to I'm gonna stop. And then I was like, no, nah, I really should just finish this. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a mind over matter thing um, and managed to kind of complete it. So, yeah, it's definitely a good example of your body sometimes just well it's really your mind saying you you should quit but you actually don't need to because I was able to run out the session basically at the same kind of speed that I'd done all of the other ones at so yeah that was that's actually probably the hardest 
session that I've done, I think, in this whole build-up, at least in terms of like having to have that kind of little mental conversation with yourself um, along the way yeah, through. Probably, I'm sure you've done a, a lot more of those yeah, than I have. Yeah, I think it's perfect for the marathon because, um, you know, you hear stories of people saying, you know, I had a bad patch here but then I kept running through it and then I started to feel good again. It's such a long way that every time you feel bad, you can't really give up. You need that discipline to work through it. Yes, and I was thinking if I can get this last one out, you know, it's just going to give me that tiny little bit of extra fitness as well. So I was trying to think about the training effect as well. Um, yeah, do you know what I sometimes do when I feel like that is actually just ditch the watch and yeah. say just, yep. you know, just get it done and even if you start out slowly. And I find that the positives of knowing mentally that I've completed that session um, outweigh either quitting or looking at the watch going oh no you know I was 20 seconds or a minute slower than the first one um it doesn't yeah. play on my mind actually the probably the I like that idea and the way I've been doing those is actually just with um the watch face showing my heart rate um so I really don't have while I'm doing the the efforts I don't have any idea of how fast I'm running so it's really just a case of um get stuck into it um, and yeah, just keeping a bit of an eye on the time and also, um, not really looking at the heart rate, but just making sure I'm working hard enough that I'm in the zone, um, that I want to be in. And yeah, even, even on, you know, unmarked trails, just doing it by time, getting pretty even kind of splits was actually, I think that's actually a good sign that I'm getting fit as well. Um, so Saturday was horrible and windy again, continuing the horrible windy winter that we've been having in Ballarat especially. Um, so that was, yeah, initially we, I was talking to my wife about going to park run again, but we canned that idea because it was just awful. So I just went out and did 40 minutes in a rough break in Only the weather. Only us hardened athletes uh, got out to race on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was like, if I didn't have to, I wasn't going to, that's for sure. So um yeah, just got my 40-minute jog done then, um, about 7 seven k's, just under 5 miles. And then that brought me to Sunday, which, like you, was scheduled to be um, a really long run. Um, and my goal for this one was to run for at least two and a half hours under my Maffetone heart rate limit, which is 137 beats a minute. And I just really wanted to do that just to have a good benchmark for the future um, to see what sort of ground I could cover and what sort of pace I could run at that at that um, heart rate limit for a very long period of time um, and also make sure I'd just done a good solid time on legs run of at least two and a half hours. Um, and as I did that, that was like exactly four weeks before the marathon, so I really wanted to get this long run out to give myself plenty of time to recuperate. Is that your longest run that you're going to do now? Yeah, it certainly was in terms of time. I think I covered slightly more ground on Flinders Island that day. I did the um, the 25K plus jogging um, before that. So I actually ended up covering just over 30 kilometres and actually ran for two hours, 50 minutes underneath my heart rate. So the game was to try and stay under that heart rate for two and a half hours. And if I was still under that heart rate, I was then allowed to continue. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was the bargain I had with myself. Um, so, yeah, I was able to run to 2 hours 50, which is pretty good because that's only half an hour less than my goal marathon. That's a, 
time of three hours That's 20. A huge one. So you're on the way down now? Are you moving into taper phase or what's the plan? Yeah, almost. Um, I'll get to that in a second, but I'll, just for the for the benchmarking, um, I did that run not particularly fast. I had to actually run on average 539 kilometre pace or 905 miling to be able to maintain that heart rate for the entire two and a half hours. Um, but for the entire, sorry, for the two hours 50, but for the entire time, the average heart rate was 131. So it was just an example of how much your heart rate actually drifts um, because my heart rate in the in the first hour was about 120 um, running that same kind of pace. But by the time you're at the end of it, you're like you're up at 137 and you're still running pretty much the same pace. So just through fatigue, mm-hmm. your heart rate just naturally drifts higher. So for that kind of effort, you do have to start quite slowly to maintain that limit. So I'm actually thinking of that one is a good future ben- benchmark and also a good run to put into people's programs that I might be coaching say well can you actually run for two and a half hours underneath at an aerobic threshold Mm -hmm. like that's probably not something I've seen in a lot of programs before Um, and maybe once you can do that then you can maybe think about running a bit faster or doing some of that marathon pace type work um, for the future Mm -hmm. so yeah um, so that was 85 kilometer week for me which is my biggest week I think for the entire program about 53 miles and to answer your question yes it is now taper mode for uh for me um which is the perfect segue because that's our topic of the week after this so tapering um for me it's only three weeks to go so this has definitely been very front of mind. Um, so I've given that probably more thought in the last couple of weeks than I actually did when I wrote my program initially. Um, and consequently, that has led to a few changes in what I was planning to do. What have you been thinking about in terms of your upcoming taper? Yeah, well, I have travel thrown into the mix of mine. So <clears throat> I think a few extra things need to be taken into account. And um, it's probably a good one to chat about as well because I know a lot of people travel for the big major marathons, so we're not all just driving down the road or stepping out our front door. Um, and I have mentioned before I suffer quite badly from jet lag, so I'm definitely going to take a longer taper for two reasons. One, to help aid me get over the jet lag, and two, I actually respond really well to a long taper and even psychologically, it, it actually doesn't play on my mind if I haven't run for, you know, two, three, even four days before a race. Um, I find that I actually even get there quite refreshed. So mm. I'm looking to taper two weeks out um, and okay. what that will look like is two weeks out prior to the New York Marathon, um, I will drastically reduced the kilometres. So I'm sort of sitting at about mid-80s and I'll probably peak at the high 80 kilometres per week. And then that two weeks out will drop to around 60, maybe even below. And then that week of the marathon, uh, because I'll be travelling, I plan to only run two days, sorry, twice in that week. And that will be completely dependent on how I'm feeling after the flight. Right. So, all right. Well, I'm wondering whether you're going to change that after we have this conversation (laughs) because 
because I've had my head in a couple of books um, just to kind of refresh my memory about um, what the what the experts say about taping, tapering for the marathon. Um, and be- off the bat, I would just say anyone who wants to know about how to taper for the marathon should just read the whole chapter on that in Advanced Marathoning. Um, we've mentioned that that book quite a few times during this podcast. Um, it's a great book and, yeah, I think anything we discussed today um, would probably be only um, a, a small part of what's covered in the complete chapter in that book, but I found that chapter to be excellent. Um, it does include um, a bit of a kind of a summary of the various scientific literature and so forth um, on tapering as well. So it gives you a bit of a wrap-up of what various research has been done and then basically draws together um, Pete Fitzinger's experience as a coach and athlete and a physiologist to kind of come up with their opinion as backed by various research. So (laughs) that being said, um, what they say and what they recommend is generally a three-week taper is optimal. Um, And I know you've just mentioned two weeks. I'm happy Um, to increase to the three. (laughs) (laughs) Happy to ease off a little bit earlier. Where do I sign? Might be a good thing. Um, Now, having said that, not everyone agrees that three weeks is the optimal taper. Um, Hanson's Marathon Method is another book that we've mentioned, another one that I've had a good look through. And really, they talk about doing a 10-day taper. um, And they're doing that um, partly on the rationale that uh, and this is mentioned actually in Advanced Marathon in some other places as well, that you don't actually really gain any fitness from any particular training session or workout until 10 days after you've actually done it. So what they do is sort of schedule their last harder workout, if you like, 10 days before the marathon, and then everything after that is pretty much tapering down towards race day. Um, so yeah, that would be probably the short end would be 10 days and then the long, the long end would be three weeks. So probably, um, somewhere between 10 days and three weeks would be the, the optimal depending on, um, who the athlete is and what their sort of background and how much training they've actually been doing during the marathon. Um, and to kind of further muddy the waters, <laughs> I was listening to, um, Dick Telford talking to Brad Beer on the physical performance um, podcast during the week as well. And he was making the point that, um, and it was almost like he was talking to me, <laughs> that, um, you know, people running 80 kilometres a week who are sort of three-hour, 30 marathon runners probably don't really need to taper that much because their their mileage is really not that high. But and he was then comparing that to, you know, some of the elite runners that he coaches who are coming down from 200 kilometres a week. Mm. So they definitely need to taper and ease off quite a bit more than perhaps what I would need. Yeah, to- I'm going to challenge that though because I think, yep. so I'm doing that 80 kilometres a week, which is double what I've been doing normally. Yeah, But elite runners, some do, but most don't have the lifestyle challenges thrown in that you know I have and I know a lot of the listeners have. So I'm tired from doing these 80 kilometres a week. Like I am so tired. I'm actually sitting here yawning at the moment. So to just be told, oh, well, you know, it's probably not a good idea, keep doing the 80 kilometres a week. Um, I, I really yeah. challenge that just from, yeah, from that tiredness perspective 
because bringing that down to even like a 50Ks, I already know, oh, you know, I might only have to run four days instead of, you know, five, which even five days of running at the moment is just so hard to fit in. Yeah, look, I, I think that's a really good point and I, I, I agree with you. Um, and to be fair to um, what Dick Telford was saying, he, he did definitely say, well, yeah, you need to cut back um, in terms of the intense type running you're doing. So, you know, if you're used to doing 5 by one k VO2 max, 5K race pay type, type uh, reps, he would be cutting that in half during that sort of tape, three-week tapery period. Um, so, look, he wasn't just saying keep going business as usual, but he was, I guess, making the point that um, the relative reduction in taper would be different depending on what you were doing in in the background but i agree with you you've got to have a think about what else is going on in your life um and if you're like you where and i'm going to compare us a little bit here (laughs) you've kind of built up pretty quickly this year to to kind of go after this marathon goal and i'm kind of in my second year of that and um getting up to and I've also managed to kind of get into this sort of 80 kilometer a week plateau and I've been there for for months now really um so I'm, I am going to cut back my mileage and I'm definitely going to cut back the intensity of some of the stuff that I'm doing but I'll probably maintain a little bit more volume than what I was initially planning to cut out in my program but having said that I think given you've kind of built up and your plateau hasn't been as big I reckon you'll get a relatively bigger benefit from cutting more out of more volume out of your program than perhaps what I would at least for this and I completely agree I was actually saying not the same conversation but similar conversation to one of the ladies I train with saying how 80 kilometers still hasn't started to feel comfortable for me yet like I haven't quite hit that adaptation in my training whereas if you said to me, oh, you're doing 60 kilometres this week, I would feel like I've been given a holiday, whereas yeah, you know, that's right. let's that's go easy. back and listen to our conversations from a couple of months ago and I was thinking, oh, gosh, I've got to try and run 70 kilometres a week. Like it, Obviously it's all relative to where you are, um, but not having that base behind me and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are coming from that perspective too whether, you know, there may be first-time marathoners or people who have just started running and really haven't got that aerobic base so to have built up to try and get the k's in to just achieve that first marathon um it's tiring so they probably haven't got the adaptation either so to have a bigger taper i think is probably more beneficial i I agree and look if you're especially if you're following like a 12-week marathon build-up program you're going to be probably doing your longest run three weeks out so you're you're going to be pretty Mm. beat up um so you need to give your body a chance to kind of recover from that sort of rapid increase in mileage um because 12 weeks really isn't very long no it's not long at all i've actually just pulled out my um my plan my marathon plan and i had actually so the three weeks out before the new york marathon i've actually written (laughs) semi-taper <laughs> and then good. taper two weeks and then the the race week so um i think i'm fitting more into that three week taper <laughs> two and a half we'll, we'll cut it in the middle yep yep so i just a couple of other things that were in the advanced marathon chapter and look you know they're forced to write um basically a book that anyone could pick up and apply some generic guidelines so 
this is going to vary depending on who you are, um, but they had some sort of generic reductions for each of the taper weeks um, and they suggested between or three weeks out to reduce your mileage by 20 to 25%, um, two weeks out to reduce it by 40% and in the last week reduce your normal mileage by 60%. So um, that might be a rule of thumb that people could apply to their own programs um, which would probably work quite successfully I think because it's definitely a big a big drop in mileage in that last week and almost a 50 you know 40 percent reduction two weeks out um, so yeah it's really sort of taking quite a number of um, k's out what of your about program. intensity like we're talking a lot about the volume is an important yep. part of the taper is it important to reduce the intensity as well yeah, well, look, uh, general, the general agreement across a number of books that I've read and other experts that I've heard um, interviewed on podcasts is certainly don't increase any intensity during the taper period, but most people would say you maintain the intensity but reduce the volume of the intensity that you're doing. So, um, you know, for example, like we were talking about those K reps, if you're used to doing six, five or six by a K, then maybe if you've got a session like that scheduled you know, three or two weeks out, um, you might reduce that to three um, so that um, you're still getting that kind of leg turnover um, and maintaining the fitness, but you're not really putting yourself under anywhere near the stress um, of what you would if you did the complete session. And yeah, I can definitely attest that, you know, if I had stopped after three by four minutes the other day, that would have been a pretty comfortable session. Um, so yeah, they're basically saying maintain um, the intensity, but reduce the volume of the intensity um, quite a bit during the taper period. And the closer you get to the race, obviously the uh, the, the the greater the reduction in the um, in the intensity. Um, and the volume of that intensity as well. Mm, yeah. And what about, have you ever met or heard anyone or read anything of people who don't like to taper? Um, I, I, I've, off the top of my head, I can't actually think of someone specifically, but I've definitely heard, I've heard someone say that before, but I just can't remember who it is at the moment. Um, but, yeah, definitely the, the Hansons people are, uh, not really huge on the taper idea given given they're writing basically a 10-day taper into their programs. Um, so, look, there, there definitely would be people that um, would probably run well off a shorter taper, but um, I think if you're applying it to the masses, which I certainly consider myself a member mm. of the masses, um, I'd be looking at doing this kind of three-week um, period. What about you? Have you heard anyone talk about that? No. No. Um... I think most people enjoy coming off some massive volume down into, you know, less volume. But one phenomenon that I find quite common, and I suffer this myself, is during the race week, I feel awful during my training. Every session just feels so hard. And often you know, we have a bit of a laugh about this in our group if we're racing on the Saturday and, you know, we're down at the track on the Thursday and having to do a common session we sometimes do um, is four by 400 sort of at perceived race pace or three by 800. And it should be feeling super, super easy. And it feels like you have never run, you're unfit, everything aches. 
and you finish going, I'm never going to be able to run on the weekend. Like This is impossible. <laughs> and we all have a laugh going, oh, pre-race session, it's always the worst. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's that's, that's nerves kicking yeah, in, I it reckon. probably is. And, you know, I would say nine times out of ten, you then step up into the race and, you know, you feel amazing, you feel refreshed and all the rest of it. So, you know, for any first-time runners out there that are experiencing that the week before um, or during their taper, don't panic. Like it's it's common occurrence and it's just the body, you know, saving itself. Um, it's, it's funny that you should say that because um, one of the other things I was going to mention was a whole bunch of these other physiological benefits that you might expect out of your taper mm. um so yeah things like small muscle tears micro tears i think that they, they refer to them as those things sort of start to heal up um all of your niggles hopefully start to kind of get better yeah that's a big um, one i definitely um feel that on when i have a taper yeah so so that's all good stuff to kind of look forward to um and during that sort of tapering period, by reducing volume and intensity, you also sort of allow your muscle glycogen stores to top back up to their maximum. Um, so that's a good thing. So getting getting your fuel up to maximum levels before the actual marathon itself um, and just kind of easing off is going to help your immune system as well. So if you have been suffering from the odd sniffle or coughs and cold, then by reducing volume and intensity, you're kind of letting your body have a chance to kind of um, catch up and and be healthy again before mm. the marathon. Mm. Um, and the other thing, you know, you mentioned how fatigued you are at the moment. One of the I mentioned um, that Dick Telford conversation before, but one of the things I did like about what he said was um, this notion of a cloud of fatigue that kind of hovers over people who are training for the marathon. And it kind of sounds like you're living under that cloud a little bit um, at the moment, um, and that taper will sort of help you sort of emerge from the cloud of the cloud of fatigue into the happy sunshine of um, fast marathon running. Yeah, that's something I've never heard of that analogy. I like that one. I mean, my yeah. life's a bit hectic with two tiny people and work and just general living, but then throwing on top all of this training, it's I'm definitely have a cloud of fatigue over me. <laughs> yes. Well, hopefully that will that will clear. Um, now, interestingly, there's there's a lot of stuff that's been written, and again, it's really well covered in this advanced marathon chapter um, about like the performance gain that you can expect to get out of tapering, and it could be as much as three or four percent. Which oh wow, for the marathon, that's like massive. That's huge. Um, so you know, for a four-hour marathon runner, that could be like seven minutes if you do an effective taper. Yeah. Um, for someone who wants to break three hours, I'll take that three to 4%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for you, with your three-hour goal, um, it you know, depending if it's three to 4%, it could be, you know, three and a half to six minutes mm. that you might sort of um, improve in that kind of tapering period just by letting, you, letting your body kind of um, repair itself and get ready for the race. So... There's definitely some good reasons, um, I think, to uh, take this whole tapering thing very seriously. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited by that because, yeah, I reckon that's going to help me with my um, 3 hour 20 goal as well, a little, little bit of tapering and hopefully a, some small percentage point increases in the, in the final week or so. Did you taper last year for the marathon? Well, I, I did, but my taper basically consisted of um, 
recovering from cooking myself. So <laughs> um, basically right. for the last, because I did my last really long run and I cooked myself on it three weeks out, I spent the next three weeks just jogging around, um, looking at my heart rate, which was just spiking off the off the chart at really slow running paces. So I just spent the last three weeks doing very little, um, pretty much just jogging um, and trying to, rec- trying to let my body recover from I'd obviously overstressed it with running and and probably a combination of work stress and some other things as well. So for me, it was just about, um, yeah, really easing off the gas so I could get to the start line. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a taper, definitely a taper. And it definitely would have helped because I tell you what, the, how I felt three weeks out from the marathon and then actually be able to get somewhere in the, I didn't actually achieve my goal of three hours 30, but I was somewhere near it. I was like three thirty six, not too far away. Um, so, yeah, if, I think if I hadn't have eased off, I probably, you know, who knows, maybe I wouldn't have been lucky to break four hours. So, um, yeah, it was a taper of sorts. <laughs> yeah, well, it's definitely worthwhile. And are you feeling better this year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think that probably goes to that long plateau that I've been on plus the benefit of training last year. Um, I, yeah, running it around 80Ks a week with the kind of training that I'm doing is not stressing me out too much and it's not fatiguing me too much, um, which is really good. So that's kind of why I'm sort of feeling that I won't need to taper dramatically or drop my mileage dramatically. But as we've discussed, I'll, I definitely will reduce it to um, get a hold of some of those those benefits. Very good. Uh, just trying to think if there's anything else that we need to, to cover on this topic. Um Probably the only other thing is like when to some of the programs and including advanced marathoning do drop the odd um, shorter lead up race into the taper period. Um, and yeah, Fitzinger suggests dropping in a race like two weeks before the marathon, which is pretty close. Um, and he talks about like an eight or a 10K race. Um, mm, do you know, I've not only have I heard that, but I have seen again, you know, sort of elite runners doing that as well um so it might be not a bad thing to try you're obviously not going to try that um well at at the moment i've got like a a park run 5k time trial it's just more than two weeks out so the saturday two weeks before the marathon um i don't think i'd want to do anything longer than 5k like i feel like i could recover from a, a solid 5k effort pretty quickly um, and I've been doing a lot of that kind of training with those fartlek sessions, so I don't think that would be a major stress. But, I, yeah, I'd feel uncomfortable about doing a 10K race. I reckon that would really potentially knock me around too much. Um, and then, yeah, if you spent the next week being feeling sore and beat up, that's not going to do much for your confidence levels. Mm, I guess, though, probably one of the things is to go into one of those races thinking I'm not – probably going to run a PB um, and maybe using it. So like what I'm going to do with this 15K that's only a couple of weeks out before the marathon um, is using it to run it at a pace that I gain masses of confidence with going into the marathon. Yeah, I think that is very good advice. Um, I'm definitely not expecting an amazing performance when I do that 5K um, time trial at park run um, I'm hoping for a solid performance but definitely not an amazing one mm. um, and I'm hoping as well that I'll get a, a final tiny little training 
effect out of that race as well, which is sort of what Fitzinger was suggesting um, with what they've written into to their program. The only other thing I wanted to mention um, was, you know how I've been doing these um, MAF math tests as part of the kind of mathetone philosophy? Um, I won't talk about it today, but I've actually just done one um, and I'll probably do another one in another couple of weeks' time. So this this is like a submaximal test. So how how fast can you run um, a progressive series of kilometres or miles at your heart rate limit? Um, so if this tapering improvement of 3% and so on is valid, then I would hope to see my math test improve by maybe a couple of percentage points um, on top of what I've done um, today when we're recording um, in another two weeks' time. So that might actually give give me some objective, uh, well, not objective, but at least a, another sample of one to suggest that um, the tapering actually does um, have at some kind of performance um, improvement without actually having to go and do a race to prove it. Mm. Yeah, look forward to hearing about it. Indeed. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to add into this tapering no, discussion. I don't think so. I'm all for a taper, and the longer the better. <laughs> the longer, the longer the better. Excellent. Actually, you know, that you reminded me the the one thing because you you're a fan of like having a couple of days off before the race. Um, and I did read in a couple of programs that they definitely don't they don't do that. Like they often have people either jogging in the day before. And if you're going to have a day off, having it a few days in the lead up to the race. And I know last year I, I did have a couple of days off before the marathon and I don't think that did me any harm at all. So that's probably one area where at the least at the moment um, I kind of would depart from some of that advice and like feel free to have the day off before the marathon. Like what harm could it do you? Yeah, look, and I think sometimes as runners and you've set this goal so you can actually just become a bit obsessed with the running mm-hmm. um, and, you know, me having those few days off, it just resets me. It makes me mentally feel like I'm just dying to get out there and run. So, um, you know, but that's just a personal thing with me. It's more psychological than, than anything. I mean, you're not going to gain anything by going out and running anymore those few days beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I reckon we've covered this um, tapering conversation pretty well, Lisa. So. Just to kind of wrap it up, um, I reckon the the tip out of all of this discussion is is obviously not all tapers are created equal, um, mm-hmm. and they they need to be kind of um, you you as a runner need to kind of do the taper that is going to work for you. But certainly keeping yourself in those sort of guidelines of three weeks to ten days um, as an absolute minimum for your taper is a good idea. Um, one of the other things that I would probably suggest is to keep really good records of what tapering you did in the lead up to each of your marathons or other races because um, you might find that you want to kind of play around with different aspects a little bit more um, when you do your next race. Certainly that's what I'm going to be doing. Like I know what I did last year, which is just jogging around. This year I'm doing a few more different things and maintaining a little bit of faster running at very low volumes up until the end, which I'll I'll actually put my my version three program up again in the show notes so people can have a look at what I'm planning to do. Um, but yeah, you might want to just sort of tweak that year to year um, based on how your training went for that particular 
marathon or just wanting to try something different and see what kind of response you get um, from your body in in your race performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know I've been running for so long, so even though I haven't done a marathon before, I do know what has worked with other races. So if it, if you are going in for your first you know, big race or marathon and haven't got those years of experience, I definitely recommend trying you know the longer taper more than the continue running you know up to the day. Um, I, I think it'll be more beneficial. Yeah, I think that is sound advice. And before we wrap up, um, I just wanted to quickly mention we have kind of got our social media channels up and running um, neither, of us are, yeah, <laughs> neither of us are huge on the socials but we have got a twitter um which is at brian run coach um we've got a facebook page which is just running technique tips we have a youtube channel which is running technique tv and we have an instagram account as well which is running technique tips um so they're all kind of got the same logo so you'll be able to find those so you can connect with us on those channels we're not going to be sitting on them all day definitely um but we if you do get onto those and make contact with us we will get back to you um and as a bit of a uh, um bit of bit of an offer i guess um if you'd like to either make a comment or ask us a question on one of those um social media channels what we can do is actually um get you on the podcast i have the technology um i can actually get you um uh onto onto the podcast we can record your question um and then um, lisa and i can discuss either your question or your comment during the podcast so yeah if you want to be on the running technique tips podcast then then get in touch with us very exciting well that is it that is a wrap you have been listening to the running technique tips podcast with brian martin and lisa biffin we will be talking to you again next week see you guys